What's a standard prep for a high-level B. Dave Walters one-shot? Way less than you think. <laughs> because whatever I thought was going to happen, when a Sarah Rack comes in riding the Tarask, all bets are off. This is Cody here with the Geek Peak Creator Interview of the Week. I don't think we're going to stick to that weekly schedule, so I already regret saying it. But I'm here with the uh, writer, actor, director, producer, uh, just overall all-around fantastic person, B. Dave Walters. Thank you very much for joining me. I uh, appreciate it so, so much uh, as my very first interview on the channel here. Uh, thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you. That was that was the dozens and the dozens of my fans cheering there. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me along. Yeah, absolutely. Not a problem. Um, I'll let you get right into it. I want to know what makes a good character is like a compelling backstory. So what what, what is the backstory of B. Dave Walters? What first got you into the TTRPG scene, what was the first like twinkle in your eye of this monster or this setting or something like that? What inspired you as a wee lad to start rolling dice and creating characters? It's interesting because the first thing that came to my mind is I don't know that it's the backstory that's what makes a character interesting, but that's neither here nor there. That's a, se a second thing to unpack, I suppose. Um, I'm way older than I look. I was there 3,000 years ago <laughs> when uh, a lot of this stuff started. I've been playing these games since I was 13 years old. Um, it so happens I got started with uh, Rifts, uh, the Palladium game, which if people don't know, it's kind of this like multi-universal thing like the 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 big poster for riffs at the time was an f-16 fighter being chased by a dragon which is just sweet awesome um i'm here for that game yeah the the, the actual system for palladium's kind of trash and it had a lot of like uh, bloat and power creep issues but i mean that was my first game and uh when i was playing that a hipster buddy of mine who was a hipster before hipsters were hipsters he was literally a hipster before hipsters were cool the photo um, hipster yeah, was like, hey, well, if you're going to play one of those games, you need to play the original. You need to play Dungeons and Dragons. And I was like, oh, OK. Uh, and that's how I got started. But I mean, I lived through the satanic panic. You know, I, I remember that these things were, were you know, dangerous, which honestly, I believe is is why there is a D&D subculture now because it became rebellious and countercultural. I think if there'd never been a satanic panic, it would be just like Monopoly. It'd just be another game you take off the shelf at the holidays to antagonize your family. And then that's kind of that, you know? Um, so uh, that was the genesis. And then shortly after that, when the world of darkness started and Vampire the Masquerade, you know, that all just landed right on my face. I was the demographic th those games were meant for. Um, I actually actually fell in love with Werewolf before Vampire, actually, um, because it was like turn into a giant rage-filled monster and throw a pickup truck. K, you know? Yeah. Um, and then uh, Shadow Lords, Shadow Lords Supremacy. And then uh, soon very soon after that, got into to Vampire, and then it's just... Uh, I've played some of everything by now at this point, but it was just sort of a thing that, um, you know, a, a joy and a love and a passion that never left me. And then I guess about six years ago, I realized it was becoming a thing where people like would wanted to watch other people play D&D, &D, which was wild to me. Because, again, I went from it being evil and dangerous to just lame. It was like reverse fight club. Like You can talk about yeah. it because you seem like a nerd. And uh, so to have it kind of be like out in public and a thing that people were into, I was like, oh, oh, OK, well, let's do it then. And, you know, and now here we are. That's very similar to the kind of thing that happened with like video games 
you know, video games were like this secretive nerd thing for like the longest time. And then kind of the same thing, they got more popular and they had like celebrities start backing them and it became this cool thing to do. That's really awesome. You've been, yeah. you've, you're like on the ground floor coming oh, up yeah. with all this, the TTRPG scene to like the yeah. highest levels of. Yep. Yeah. I mean, cool and fame in the world of TTRPGs. That's really awesome. I, I've been I've been very fortunate that I, I'm one of the very few, possibly the only person who has done it as player, storyteller, and producer across multiple games and multiple genres. So, um, but you know, for me, my I I trace this geek renaissance back to one specific thing, which was uh, Iron Man 2008. When when that when that movie blew up and became the cultural phenomenon it was because I mean other there'd been superhero movies of course you know Batman eighty nine and stuff like that I mean the Dark Knight but uh, or the Dark Knight was in twenty twelve actually so Iron Man in two thousand eight when it became this cultural behemoth it was like oh it's okay to admit that I like this stuff like well, well is it okay that I like c- comic books that Iron Man came from? Oh, well, I mean, I also play video games. Oh, right. Uh, well, I mean, what, oh, what, those what, are about, also what, cool? about, what about Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah. And I mean, and that was, it was like just sort of kind of a, a, a grand geek coming out of the closet there of uh, definitely like a, a, like the flashpoint of that tipping point. Mm-hmm. Of, yeah. It's cool for some people, but now like from that point on, mm-hmm. Marvel makes billion dollar movies every other week. DC mm-hmm. making billion dollar movies. Yeah, that's a very good point. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, to kind of redact myself, I mentioned the backstory being the most interesting part. Uh, and as soon as I said it, I regretted it. And you had a point <laughs> to make about it. Uh, so the backstory is not the most interesting part of the character. Uh, if mm-hmm. not that, then what is in your eyes, uh, what makes a compelling story for you to have at your table? So Here's the thing about backstories. The backstory for a hero and a villain are the same. The backstory is pain. I've been hurt. Uh, it's that the villain says, I've been hurt and therefore I will hurt others. And the hero says, I've been hurt and therefore I don't want this to happen to anybody else. Um, the rest of it is set dressing. Uh, the, the, the most important thing about a character that people will give a damn about, because I, I talk about this at length because I, teach writing courses and whatnot also shameless plug for my courses the undisputed academy.com www.theundisputedacademy.com i have but, that on my list of things to mention you know i want to plug it again when we get That's there it's fine. Fine. we'll plug it five more times so um i think the thing that really motivates somebody you buy a character is everyone when they consume not just tabletop media but all media needs to be able to see themselves reflected in that media as both hero and villain. Um, I kind of reject the idea of there being sacred cows. I mean, obviously, there's been some, you know, people in demographics that are generally portrayed as negative. And I think that's not cool in the sense that, you know, every Arab must be a terrorist. You know, every every young black male must be a gangbanger. I mean, that's problematic. But I think you need to see somebody that looks like you, you know, both, you know, internally and externally as hero and villain so that you know what you want to aspire towards and also turn away from right um that that when you can see in yourself like oh i could be that if i'm not careful or oh i wish i was that you know that's what makes things really resonate um 
And to your previous point, of course, a lot of that is born out of the backstory and having an interesting backstory of, you know, being the last son of Krypton or whatever does the help. Of course, it helps. Yeah. Um, but it's the resonance with the viewer. And not every character is going to resonate with every viewer. That's why ensembles matter, you know, um, to, to continue, you know, the DC parallel. You know, some people are going to vibe with Superman. Some people are going to vibe with Batman. Some people are going to vibe with Wonder Woman. Some people are going to vibe with The Flash. I mean, ideally, you like all of them. You know, there, there's not one of them that is um, so unpalatable that it causes you not to consume that content. Yeah, you know? that's very true. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's 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 what what makes uh, what makes a compelling character. And that is born out of. Uh, what the human that has put on this mask is trying to say. And oftentimes that can be unconscious. Like I always tell people, your first two or three characters are you. Not even your idealized self. They're actually you. Just you may not realize it. Especially as, as you look back and there's usually a couple of through lines in those characters. Like for me, um, the first character I did in a major um, uh, stream was uh, Chateau in We're Alive Frontier which was the exiled leader of an unruly band of misfits that, you know, did not listen uh, to their detriment. So, and he was just kind of this grim brooding character. So then when LA by night came along and I created Victor Temple, my, my initial thing was, you know, Chateau was so dark and brooding. I want somebody who's having a good time at this, even though vampire is all about a storytelling game of personal horror. You're a monster and you don't want to be. Leon Wee is kind of part of it. But I was like, but what kind of vampire would actually be having a pretty good ride at all this? A nightclub promoter, you know? Uh, and that's why that's why, that's why why Victor was a nightclub promoter. And I had no intention whatsoever of any kind of leadership until the opportunity to become the Baron uh, you know, dropped in front of me in real time and I took it because I am what I am. And then fast forward to the next character was uh, Freely for D and D my, my, my halfling. And the reason why he was a halfling is I tried my best to make freely everything that Victor is not. That is why he's physically small. Cause Victor's tall. Cause he, me, yeah. um, and then, you know, freely in Victor makes a lot of dubious, moral, morally gray things. Freely's an absolute good, you know, like he, he is, he is the sweetest boy. And what's funny is I, I, I told myself, I was like, no more leadership characters, you know, like I, cause I keep ending up, you know, being the one that ostensibly who's in charge. I'm not going to do that with this character. So I get there and I start building them and I'm like, what do you guys need? They were like, we need a party face. We need someone to do the talking. And I was like, damn it. And I, I resisted that, but because of the way I wanted to build the character, he still was charisma based because he's a bard, paladin, warlock, sorcerer. It's four classes. <clears throat> that that's have. a lot of charisma based classes there. And that's what it is. So he still had like charisma out the wazoo. So when I was called upon to be persuasive or whatever, I could do it. But I, I really stopped and I was like, why, why? do these same things keep coming out of all of my characters, whether or not I want them to. And I was like, Oh, cause those are the parts of me that are coming out of these characters. And it was only when I could see that clearly that I was actually free to do something completely different. And right about then is when Marcy, the typhoon came up for dimension 20, mm -hmm. who I made to be not freely. That's why he's a bugbear. Cause he's big. I mean, he's a, he's a, a, a mercenary, you know what I mean? Like freely is an absolute good. Marcy is actually pretty bad. You know, like if it, it was, yeah. 
he was all everything freely wasn't, you know? So, but I was able to do that intentionally by that point, because I was able to kind of see the writing on the wall. Gotcha. Yeah. In that same kind of vein of characters that we play reflecting on ourselves. If you were at say a table with just all brand new players, what is something that you desire in a player that not necessarily they don't have to like know all the rules. They don't have to have all this. Like what's a trait of them personally that you feel is like, this is a good trait to have. We can build off of that. It's being willing to play, you know, not, not being so in your head of like, Oh, is this, you know, um, you know, like, like, like a big red flag is always talking about the character in the third person, you know? Okay. Well, my character does this and I'm like, no, I do this, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm embody it. Right. Um, I mean, this can go too far, of course, when somebody's like too chaotic and talking over people and everything. But I mean, that's actually pretty easy to mitigate in the moment. Um, But having somebody not even give themselves permission to kind of like embody this role um, is uh, so so having someone who's like. I'm an elf now. Let's do it. You know what I mean? Or at least willing to try, at least willing to try. It's it's almost like to approach it almost more like an improv exercise um, than a game, I think is, uh, is helpful, but you know, different people play the game for, for different reasons and want different things out of it. But I think in general, that is probably the most useful global trait because it's like, if you're just trying to do like a tactical thing, it's like, we'll go play chess online. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, you'll play like an RTS. Yeah. 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 I mean, there is a tactical component, you know, Uh, obviously Warhammer has moved a couple of units over time, you know, but I mean, yeah, but that's, uh, that is a part of this particular pastime, but it's not the part. Like I I think you would, you could have a completely fulfilling D and D for sure experience. And I was going to say tabletop more generally where, nobody fights anybody like you don't even roll any dice you know uh and still could have a fulfilling experience whereas i think if you just had nothing but combat with no you know with with nothing no romance no foreplay you know what i mean it's just like endless dice of like here's another wave of orcs like i feel like that would get pretty dull pretty quickly even for the most hardcore people yeah i think the especially with like the fifth edition rules they seem to focus more on the out of combat situations um, and c- like combat's added on, but they focus more on like the storytelling aspect and using combat to kind of like progress the story a little bit. I think that, yeah, like embodying, like trying to get into that character, like you don't have to do a voice. You don't have to dress up. That's if you want to do that, great. That's fine. But just be there in the moment and like, try to imagine it's like you said, it's not my character. It's me. It's I. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And, and zone so super zone of safety about that because of the voices and the cosplay and all that stuff. I mean, that is some people's jam and not others, you know, and even when you're trying to do it, it's difficult to maintain. So, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially as somebody that runs a lot of games trying to remember, like, this character has this voice in this game. But if I use the same character, maybe they have a different voice. Yeah. I'm going to tell you a simple way to remember it. Uh, and th- this this doesn't always work, but it helps a lot to make your NPCs memorable for um, both yourself and for the players. When you're describing people, always give them an adjective, you know, 
the barkeep. It's not the dwarven barkeep. It's the itchy dwarven barkeep. You know, describe them like constantly scratching their arms over the mugs, uh, over the mugs of mead before handing them out. You know, the agoraphobic. Yeah, see, you won't forget the itchy dwarven uh, barkeep just like that. You know, the agoraphobic kobold. Yeah, exactly. No, that one's on the house. Have at it. Um, And when you do voices and mannerisms for characters in your own head, think of who you're doing an impression of. You don't have to tell them that because your impression might be trash. You know, which for the record, this is why you shouldn't be afraid to try accents because people will be like, that's a terrible French accent or whatever. You're like, baby, we're in Faerun. room. There is no France. Yeah. And my and my accent is magnificent for the village that my character is from. We. Oui? Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, think think of it as a as an impression that it's like, you know, whenever I this dragon, this dragon is my Al Pacino, you know, or this dragon is my smog, you know, Um you'll kind of have like a touchstone in your own head uh, that is easy to keep track of. And what ends up happening is you will recycle voices. I mean, I can do several, but uh, but they are not infinite. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah, so, there's a limit to everybody's talent. Yeah, so th- I'm not Mel Blank by any stretch. So it's uh, th- there's definitely some repurposing. But when that comes, I'll usually combine a different voice with a different accent to try and, uh, you know, make it make it feel like it's something different because that al pacino you have irish al pacino exactly 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 french al pacino how would i even do french al pacino I'd be like she has the great ass and you got the yeah right yeah. <laughs> yeah like i'm right there in france yeah exactly done you know french serpico yeah <laughs> french serpico um <laughs> well this uh pairs well with um talking about making characters and stuff I think there's uh, some writing program that we haven't plugged at yet. What? Totally what? not organically. Uh, the Undisputed Academy, I believe, is this thing that you're doing. No, oh, you stop it. Yeah. Uh, four programs that, that have been released so far. More on the way. Uh, there's 14 Day DM, which is how to ru- run games. Uh at a professional level all of these courses are for people who if you want to try and go pro and pursue making a living at this or even making money at this at all that's cool but also if you just want to put on the best experience you can for your friends and family you know that's uh that is also great so for serious enthusiasts uh and aspiring professionals and even professionals that are already professional but not necessarily having the success you'd like uh so there's 14 day dm which is how to run games uh, at a high level there's 14 day player which is how to play games at a high level uh there is 14 day ttrpg creator so if you want to homebrew content or create your whole entire system or break in, figure out how to work with the publishers, work with the majors. I cover all that because I've done all those things. Um, and then 14-Day Writer, which is more generally, uh, if you want to write novels or screenplays or comic books or graphic novels or short stories, I will save you five years in your journey to becoming a professional writer. TheUndisputedAcademy.com You heard it here. And honestly, I've been looking at these and the TTRPG creator I'm probably going to be getting that one soon because I just started a homebrew game and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go all in. It's my partner's first time. She hasn't played D and D before. And you know, it's our new house. The, you know, the, the room we're playing in where it's called the archive because it looks, that's the, the aesthetic for it. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go all in. I make this world. I'm starting to make like the history. And I'm like, this is, this is a lot. Like mm-hmm. I knew it's like, I knew it was a lot going into it, but I like, 
my biggest reference is Dungeons and Dragons, which is a lot, <laughs> but it's also been around for 40 years. Yep. And there have been dozens and dozens of people adding to it over those 40 years. So there's this big wealth of knowledge to draw from trying yep. to do that all myself in a couple of months before our game starts. I'm just like, I got a map and here's a couple cities. Go play. Have fun. You know, but believe it or not, that is actually enough, because one of the things that I drive into the ground in all of these programs is nobody cares about your 15,000 years of history. Like uh, people fall in love with that because, again, a lot of it is like misplaced novelists where they want to talk about like whom's to beget, whom's to beget, whom's to like nobody cares, you know, unless unless the story directly is that, you know, when the creator God spun uh, spun the earth into being on his pottery wheel, he misplaced a shard in mm-hmm. this campaign is about finding the shard. Great. Otherwise, those things are just a. uh a contextual backdrop, you know, um, there, there are things that are good to know in your own mind or to introduce things like, you know, as you walk through the city square, here's the, you know, the seven churches of the creators, you know, that, that sit in a square and there is a hole where there used to be a temple that was burned down and we do not speak of the eighth God. Now you're like, why don't we speak of the eighth? Well, God? Yeah, why we don't we dare. talk about? Let's, yeah, let's no, find no, out no, about him. Yeah, we we dare not speak of it, you know. But uh, you know what I mean. Then that's it's, it's engaging. Like I, I I use the parallel of like um uh video. They still do it now. It used to be way more than this. Uh, but video games, you know, only so much around you renders. You know, like however good your computer is, like it still is only going to go so far before it doesn't even try to show you what's around it. It's like as long as you can render what's around them, you know, like you got those three cities. I mean, again, if you got New York, L.A. and Chicago and let's call it Hong Kong, you know, um, you can do plenty just with that. You can do plenty just with that. It's that, like that circle of self-importance mm-hmm. around me matters. The stuff like secondary and tertiary, not so mm-hmm. much. Exactly. One of the things that I really like that you do uh, is the the high level one shots, like mm. level twenty one shots. I was rewatching uh, the one from I think it was twenty twenty um, for World Builders. It was like mm-hmm. you, Patrick Rothfuss, Brendan Lee Mulligan, Abri Iyengar. Mm-hmm. What is your level of prep for a game like that? Because at level twenty, wizards have dozens of spells, fighters mm-hmm. have dozens of actions. Monks can move several hundred feet potentially. Like, mm-hmm. what's your prep level for a game, especially with six? I think there were six players in there, very mm-hmm. experienced players too. Mm-hmm. Like, what's a what's a standard prep for a high level B. Dave Walters one shot? Way less than you think, <laughs> because that's uh, encouraging. Uh, you know, um, it's because when we're doing these charity games which it's always a blessing to do. But I never know when I start if we're, are we going to make $500 today or are we going to make 15 grand today? I don't know. I, I, we, we've in the, There's no way to know in advance because uh, I've had both happen. I've, I've had uh, everything seem like this should have knocked it out of the park and it didn't really move the needle. I've had something that I thought was going to be pretty quiet that just kind of exploded and went crazy. So I never know. But what I do know, is once you open up the game to external manipulation, um, your plan at that point just becomes a preference. And with those charity games in particular, the more chaotic things are getting, that is actually better. Because the more insanity that is happening, that means the more donations are coming in and the more people that we're helping. 
Okay. So I pay basically no attention to the what kinds of characters they've made uh, because you're right. At level 20, everyone can do everything. Um, I do, I, I take into account a lot of things like who these characters are because I want to make sure that everybody gets a chance to be a rock star. Yeah. Um, you know, in the spotlight, but it's like being like, ooh, they've got a monk, so I got to make sure that, you know, I don't hide the MacGuffin up on a cliff because the monk can get it. I'm like, no, he is. Because again, they can all they can all do everything. <laughs> so, there, so there must be some other reason why you know they can't just miracle the MacGuffin off the cliff. Um, so I usually will start now with those world builders things. That was slightly different because that was like kind of my homebrew world that I pick at on occasion. So I was kind of telling a slightly longer story with those because I think we did four, maybe six of those stories that were all in continuity of uh what what had happened in this kingdom, but. Like, I just did one on Sunday uh, for the Salal um, Sexual Violence Center. And um, usually I just have the framework of the inciting incident of, like, why are you all here? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, one I did for a very long time. That the only reason I stopped doing it is, like, I've done it enough that I think people expect it. And that's why I had to quit doing it. Is um, you're all dead and you're on trial in the next world. Oh, okay. Um, you know? <laughs> yeah. Either, uh, Either you're on trial to answer for your own for what you've done or you're on trial basically like kind of as a stand in for all of humanity, Um, you know, all the mortal world. Um, I do a lot of times of like, you know, help us decide which God is going to rule the world type thing. Um, uh, But I mean, it'll be something like like that, like like for this exact game on Sunday, um, I had uh, they all start off and they're trapped and they have to get out of the trap. And uh, it's quickly revealed that um, Loki is the one who's trapped them because, quite frankly, he was bored. And and also, he just kind of wanted to get an idea of what heroes in, in the, on the Prime Material Plane are like. And then there's a second room um, that had a fight but also had a puzzle component that was optional, depending how the time went. And then the third room, which is a pretty big catastrophic fight. Like with these level 20 ones, I, I always make sure... My, my design ethos for these games is I make sure there is at least one solution. I always make sure there's at least one solution that I know of. Like, um, um, you know, on, on the back of the adamantine uh, golem's knees are off switches. You know what I mean? Like, like, I know that. Yeah. And then I set about making everything as hard as I possibly can. Because... <laughs> Uh, for two reasons. One, they're all powerful and they have then they can and will do things I didn't anticipate. Yeah. And it encourages people to want to intervene in the game to try and help them. If they're just absolutely in this meat grinder, they're like, oh, let me donate for a natural 20 or something, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the 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 inciting incident as hard as possible if it's a conflict are really the only two things that I a hundred percent have in the monsters that I know I'm going to use. I have their stats pulled up in advance, you know, like I'll, I'll have my D and D beyond tabs open or I'll have the links in a, in a document. And then almost all of it is just yes. Anding after that, because I mean, I've had, I've had people send Tiamat to help. Uh, I've had, uh, you know, I've had, uh, you know, Vecna more than once, a Sararak riding the Tarrasque. Like, I mean, in, 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 you know, the, the vibe of the game is like, if you donate, I will do it. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's, yeah. that's a, that's, I, that's a very interesting mechanic to yeah make it more fun and chaotic, but also to help out charity. Yeah. I mean, whatever, 
whatever I thought was going to happen when a Sarah Rack comes in riding the Tarrasque, all bets are off. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so. <laughs> that's not something that anybody ever plans for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to kind of piggyback off of that, coming up soon, you're doing uh, yet another D&D in a castle. Yeah. As of this, as of this recording, I'm leaving in like, well, sixth session. Sixth session. Okay. Yeah. Because sometimes I go over and I do one or two or even three sessions on the trip. Okay. So this is the sixth, sixth round. We call them rounds. This is my sixth round. But my one, two, three, fourth time flying over. Okay. I think. <laughs> is this now for D&D in a castle, is this something that you do by yourself? Do you ever like... uh work with other dms at the castle kind of have like your story and another story you have in the same universe is this the what's the level of collaboration the very first one we did in 2018 was completely collaborative and it was all integrated right like all of our stories overlapped uh, in a way that the people didn't know at first they kind of had to realize over the three days that they were actually all connected and then it all kind of came to a head in the third day which was fun that's very interesting Um, but these uh these most recent ones minimal minimal overlap um unless we hear something like at the time that is kind of fun like we'll do some things on the fly like yeah. um uh last last year mm, I think it was October I don't know I reject linear time and all the other lies of the Jedi time is a but, lie but there was a, a zombie tyrannosaur in Chult in the group used charm monster and sent it out into the ocean. That's how they dealt with it. They were like, go that way, you know? <laughs> um, and it just walked away because it doesn't need to breathe. So there was another campaign that Elisa Pearl was running that was all aquatic and under the ocean. And I told her like, well, we sent a zombie tyrannosaur out there. So if you want to have a zombie tyrannosaur show up in your underwater campaign, there you go. And she did, you know? Awesome. Um, and we- <laughs> And uh, then in my another game, I had uh, you know, Loth turned up as uh, um, an antagonist. And another game had a temple of Loth that um, uh, ended up summoning one of my players to go over to the other game. So I I went over with the guy, and like he jumped in and played for like uh, fifteen minutes with him, and I was Loth there in the temple at the same time. Yeah, like that was fun. That kind of stuff is fun. But most of it is kind of spontaneous now. Okay. So there's no uh, no chance of like a slight spoiler for the story you're going to run this coming time? Not this time, no. But it is going to be it is gonna be something new. I will say the last few times, I, I kind of have like my castle story that I tell. Uh, but but the, this, this will be the debut of an all new castle story. So we'll see how it goes. Well, hopefully we can mm-hmm. uh, get you back after that to talk mm-hmm. about that. Well, what? What I what I was pondering doing is I have a stream that is unannounced that is because we keep getting delayed in our production uh, that I thought was going to be live by now. I actually thought episodes are going to be out and I was going to set my castle game in the world for that stream. Um, but since it's unannounced, I don't think I'm going to do it because it will be like far less impactful um, than just like doing something a little uh, closer to home. So uh, I, I, I've got an idea, but again, there's, there's a chance that some of the people that are going to be at my table are listening to this and I won't spoil anything for them. So you've done all these uh, fantastic top tier things for TTRPGs. You played with famous people just in general, famous people in the, like, the scene. Who is 
somebody that you haven't played with or for yet that you would like that's like on your bucket list of I want to play a game with X person. Obama. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And what? What was the what was the next part? Well, was gonna be like what uh like what setting or like what TTRPG? <clears throat> like you want to get Obama it, in a vampire game? You want to get him a, in it was, I was about to say I think D and D is the cultural default, which is fine. But I think having Obama as a as a vampire would be great. He's like, uh I'm getting hungry. Uh gonna have to feed. You know, I think that would be great. <laughs> yeah. I would pay for that game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, you're right. I mean, I've, I've been blessed to play with, with basically everybody. And there's so many wonderful people in the space that it's just like, uh, I have also been blessed to, to, to teach a lot of people how to play the game and to be their, their first one ever do it. So I'm like, you know, any, any cool people, I'm always down. But I mean, if I, if I had to name one person, I think that'd be great. Yeah, that would be a very interesting game, especially in the vampire setting. I just I would love that the thing he would just like play something completely contradictory to what we would expect. Like you're like he's gonna be a Ventru and he's like I'm Alcavian, or you know he's like he, he gonna yeah just like every <laughs> imagine him just being like the absolute just like worst Sabat Salubri or something. <laughs> Like you would expect him in D and D to be like a paladin or a cleric. No, he goes like the thief, backstabby rogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it'll be very interesting to see. <laughs> As a fellow member of the Baldas Beautiful Club, uh, mm. this is more of a personal note. Uh, I kind of want to know what your like hair care routine is, if that's okay. Is there a certain product you use or procedure, or you just shave it and go? So I tried recently um, Maine because my hair and my beard are both getting a little saltier than I'd like. Uh, but I don't want to diet because then you're that guy. You know what I mean? Like, there's no such thing as a good diet job. And it's like, bro, bro, come, come, I mean, bro, you know? Um, so it was supposed to help just like remelinate some of the gray follicles. And it just is done nothing for me. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, black hair is different. So I don't know. Maybe it was that or it was just like it's just no impact whatsoever. So the only thing I was really using on my hair was that. Um, okay. Uh, and then, you know, cut it once a week. And that's kind of it, you know. But I did my time. You know, I most everything you can do with a man's hair, I did. And, you know, had my, my long dreadlocks all down my back. Like I, I, I did it all. So, um, and when my hair started thinning, I still had my dreads. And I knew that one day I was going to wake up and there was just going to be like a dread laying on a pillow and I was going to scream like that scene from The Godfather, you know? So yeah. I was like, it's like, let me just die with dignity. Let me just, I will decide that today's the day, you know? And just <laughs> and just got them all cut off one day. <laughs> just run off the deep end, take it off. Let's go on. Exactly. Rid of it now. And it's, I, I can see the writing on the walls. I know how this story ends. You know, I, I mean, I, I've, I felt I felt kind of ripped off because my dad went bald like super early in life when he's like in his twenties, and I watched him try every fad and fashion that was available in the eighties to try and fight back, and of course none of them worked. That's why I was like, I, I just. We'll, we'll go with this gracefully. I will just accept that this is how it is. Yeah. Um, well, okay. So he went bald like in his 20s. But during those days, they used to say it depends on your mother's father. If your mother's father 
kept his hair, you will. And my mother's father did, right? So I was kind of like, well, that sucks for dad, but, you know, I've drawn a completely well, different good. hand. Yeah, right. Like, ha-ha, you know? And again, the old genetics were like, oh, okay. All right. That's cool. That's great. Anyway, sneak attack. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's the genetics or the damage I did to it in the early 2000s, bleaching and dyeing my hair every other a color every other week. But uh, yeah, yep. it was the same thing. It was like starting to thin in the front. I was like, we'll call it quits here and just... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shave it off and be done with it. It's better to have some dignity because, I mean, every, every, whoever you are out there, my friend, if you're still rocking the pieball ponytail, uh, the comb over, if it's gotten so thin that your scalp is visible, just, just die a warrior's death, you know? Yeah. yeah. Just, 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 yeah. just do it, commit, just do it. be done. Do it. Yep. Yep. Cause you're not fooling anybody. Uh, that's, 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 uh, whatever you think you're avoiding, you're not. So, no, absolutely not. Yeah. Even if you're like on the taller scale, you got to sit down sometimes and, People are going to see it. There's been more than one guy that I've kind of had to pull aside. And I'm like, I need you to do two things. I need you to start shaving your head. I need you to grow a goatee. Yeah, do those two things. Yep. And uh, this, this, and, and you'll you'll be fine. <laughs> to this point, up till now, yeah. you've been skating by. But after that, yeah. we get to yeah. No, no, no. It's a consider consider me uh, the avatar of the universe here uh, to, to for your own good to be like, no, bro. No, no. <laughs> Well, uh, again, uh, thank you very much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, very uh, enlightening to talk to you. Um, if anybody is looking to find you anywhere in particular, you're B. Dave Walters on every social media platform that I'm every, aware of. Every social, I'm B. Dave Walters, or were, although the, the only ones I'm particularly active on are Twitter, because even though it is a sinking trash fire, it is still the heir apparent. Like, there's not another place that everybody's gathered yet. Uh, and to a lesser extent, Instagram. Uh, but I am, that is me everywhere. If you see a B. Dave Walters, it a me. Say hi. Also, you've done great, Cody. I never would have known this was your first one if you hadn't said so. Well, I really appreciate that. I was hoping mm-hmm. this would be not as awkward as I normally am when I meet people. Uh, also, we can definitely plug uh, the Undisputed Academy one more time. Your 14-day uh, writing games, playing games, running games, writing stories, creating yep. TTRPG world, and more to come, you said. There it is. There it is. Uh, yeah. The, the UndisputedAcademy.com. Yep. Check it out. Appreciate that. And uh, if you just give me your email address, you get a free ebook out of it. And the free ebook is called Creating Captivating Characters. So there you go. You I want was going like- to mention, I was checking out the site earlier and like mm-hmm. I moused away. It popped up the, hey, before mm-hmm. you go check this out. And mm-hmm. I got a 140 page PDF. There you go. Character. Yep. Just for my email address. That's and, and and it's 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 create it's creating characters. Uh, you know, in in any context, that's a lot of C's. But it's not just TTRPG characters for stories. However you want. It's just what what makes people give a damn about a character. That's all all right there for you for the low low price of your email address, which we give out a thousand times a day. So why not get something good out of it? Well, that's the point. Yep. Also, thank 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 you for the very seamless uh, very seamless plugs there. I am nothing if not tactful. Yeah, smooth. Smooth like our, smooth like our collective heads. Smooth. Uh, thank <laughs> you again for joining us. Uh, I've been Cody for Geek Peak, and this has been B. Dave Walters, uh, Master TTRPG of the Universe. Uh, thank you. See you guys next time. Watch my dramatic fade out. Hehehehe. <laughs>